When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome back to the Real Football Show. I'm Lizzie, your co-host. We're going to be talking all about um, North American football, but today in particular, Mexico, roster analysis, their game against Sweden, and the upcoming World Cup action. All the the fun stuff, right, Lizzie? All the fun stuff. Super fun stuff. Um, Yes, I'm here with Gino. Hello. Hello, how are you? Good. How are you? How's everything? Uh, you've been feeling a little bit under the weather, but it sounds like you're much better now. So that's great. Yes. And we're happy Mexico's you... making me sick. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I can understand. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun um, for me, at least for you, maybe not so, but let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, so the Mexican national team roster dropped on Monday. The deadline was on Monday. So Gerardo Martino and the Mexican Football Federation wasted absolutely no time in waiting till the last minute to drive us all crazy. Um, just to give a little bit of a backstory, they, during this past week, were concentrated in Girona. So they would face two friendlies over there against Iraq and Sweden. But basically, as leagues ended and players finished with their clubs, they flew over to Girona where everybody was concentrated. And on Sunday, in particular, reports broke out that Diego Lainez and Santi Jimenez would not be flying over to Girona to meet with the Mexican national team. Obviously, consequentially, we would figure out that they would not make the national team roster. However, Monday morning, bright 8 a.m. videos came out on Twitter of both of them arriving to camp. So as to tease surprises um, by Gerardo's committee again we know that those surprises didn't go on to happen and there's been a lot of rumors as to why they even flew in with the team Gerardo Martino then addressed in a press conference that he felt honored that the players would come and say their goodbyes and flew in when he asked them to that it was a great show of solidarity to the team and it was amazing and whatnot but that's just a little bit of the craziness that went on between the Mexican national team bubble fans, reporters, I mean, journalists, Lizzie. I, I mean, I gotta say again, I'm going to be taking the outsider looking in view on this whole thing as a U.S. men's national team fan and and someone who's from America. Um, I don't really understand why you would bring in players <laughs> who you're not like. Isn't that a waste of money? What do we? Why would you fly them in just to say, hey, you're not making the team, or why would you tell them you're not making the team? And then tell them to fly it. Like it doesn't really make much sense sense to me. Maybe you have a different perspective that would help me understand. But from the sounds of it, it doesn't seem like it makes much much sense to anyone. No, it really doesn't. And there was a lot of controversy about that. Basically, pointing out again, why would you fly in two players? Um, did they know prior to going to Hirona whether they were going to be cut or not? 
and obviously the cruel factor that comes with that. There were other um, three other players concentrated with the Mexican national team that were going to be cut that also departed with Diego Linus and Santi Jimenez, who then left on Tuesday. However, they were Liga MX players and did head over with the team initially on that first flight Mm -hmm. because most Liga MX players finished at the same time and headed over to Spain altogether. So there was that type of conversation, a lot of reports, and from what I'm seeing and sources say, like, it was a show of solidarity. It was that last bit of we are all a group and there's no player bigger than the team. I, From what I've heard as well, it was their choice. They both agreed to travel. It wasn't something that was necessarily imposed or mandatory, yeah. but an ask by Gerardo Martino to come show up as a group and they both said yes. So um, in my opinion, I think that's a great show of the Mexican national team. The fact that, again, no player is bigger than a team. But there's always sure. going to be questions and concerns. For I, sure. I, have For sure. I, think, I think it just, you know, I think one of the points that comes up from this is the deadline was Monday. Players who were playing in Europe didn't finish their their weeks or their their time with their team until Saturday. It doesn't allow much time for those players to then be evaluated in a situation where, you know, they may or may not make the team. They didn't have the opportunity that some of these other League MX uh, players had, similar to, you know, maybe a, the way it happened with the U.S. men's national team, that they didn't have those opportunities to, um, you know, improve their viewing or, or Greg Berhalter's viewing of them in a camp like the MLS players did. So, yeah, no, definitely, 100%. And, definitely interesting, but continue. Yeah, and we'll get to that because there's obviously the conversation of Piojo Alvarado versus Diego Linus and the abilities and, I guess, advantages that one or the other had. Mm. Um, but let's dive right in. I think the easiest conversation to have is goalkeepers. There is absolutely no surprises there. We have Guillermo Ochoa, Alfredo Talavera, and Roberto Cota. I, as you know, Gino, personally... <laughs> Was definitely a fan of having Carlos Acevedo in this list of three goalkeepers. It was absolutely no surprise that he wouldn't be included. He was like omitted from the pre-list, the 30-player pre-list, given a while back. So again, no surprise there. I think it's unfortunate, personally, because these three goalkeepers probably will not feature in 2026 unless Guillermo Trad does make it. But it was a bid to have a young figure enter the squad, get ready, get some experience, and then be the headliner for the next World Cup. However, yeah. wasn't there. And as I'm told by various different figures inside the camp, had he come in as a replacement, it probably would have been for Alfredo Talavera. Roberto Cota has weirdly won over the locker room. He's a figure to many. Everybody loves having him around. His nickname is actually Kotiki, which is... Really interesting because he has a very serious exterior when it comes to um, media and videos and everything like that. But internally, everybody loves him, looks for him um, to give advice and stuff like that. So had Carlos Acevedo come in, I think personally would have been for Talavera. Miss him. Yes. No, and, and and shamelessly plugging your article, there is an article out on the 90 Min website that Lizzie so fantastically wrote that does go into a little bit more depth about that. But it, it makes sense. Your point makes sense with bringing in that younger talent. But I I feel just by looking at the roster and some of the omissions and some of the inclusions, 
it seems like that experience and and the experience of players throughout this roster is something that um, Tata opted for over maybe bringing in some of those younger players, which is an interesting perspective. And I we talk about this with the U.S. men's national team and how they lack the experience and have one player that has played in a World Cup. This is a completely different perspective. And yeah. I think a lot of the time experience is so important and I think those gel players are very important and there was um there's been talk about that over the course of these selections as well some of these players who are brought in more as locker room uh helpers or or guys who can you know gel the locker room more than anything else uh but it does seem that Tata went with more of a experience over young quality type of role there, I guess, in some of these backup yeah. positions. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for him. In my personal opinion, I, I don't mind it because I think experience is so important in these big tournaments because it's such, it's an environment that you can never replicate in my personal yeah. opinion. So, yeah, well you have um, Mexico has been criticized to have one of the oldest rosters, I believe on average, it's 20.5. I do want to point out that obviously having three on the older side goalkeepers um, brings up that average tremendously. I think if you look at the um, median, it's, I believe, about um, 25. So that's not terrible in my opinion. And obviously you have Kevin Alvarez, who's the youngest player at 23. Um, So it's definitely one of the extremes where you have um, the U.S. men's national team, who's the youngest squad, and then Mexico, who has um, one of the eldest squads in the World Cup. I am personally um, a fan of saying it's it has absolutely no correlation to a team's success in the World Cup, whether it's young or old. It just really doesn't. I do think it's important also to point out that Gerardo Martino was never going to be the head coach that brought on this generational change mm-hmm. in the Mexican national team because it, it was an impossible ask that many people were, I think, pushing for. But Gerardo Martino was just never going to be that figure that said no to Ochoa, no to Guardado, no to HH. He just wasn't going to be, especially because you don't have that talent within the younger generation developed already. And he said it a bunch of times where he's like, well, this is what I have to choose from, especially because I was promised that 25 players would be shipped off to Europe by the time I took lead of the Mexican Mexican national team. And that just didn't happen. You definitely have some figures who jetted off and moved abroad, but not enough to say, okay, then I'm willing to bench players who I know have performed well. So, yeah, he definitely opted for the experience, for the names we all know and some yes. of us love. And, and, us and for love. sure, and for sure, I agree that experience doesn't win you games, but I think it can be a factor along with other factors that can help you advance in a tournament like this. I think that's, at least from my perspective, that's how I view it. But I do agree that those younger players need you know, bringing an old squad like this, how are those younger players supposed to get that experience? You kind of want a mix of that young, talented player who's up and coming and the older vet who can kind of groom that 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 younger talent and show them the way in this World Cup. Even if they're not going to play much time, it would be good to bring someone like Carlos Acevedo along to give yeah. him the experience of that and kind of show him what it's like. 
Yeah, and looking forward to 2026. I think yeah. to his complete right, Gerardo Martino is not looking to 2026. He's yeah. looking to right now. And at this moment, this is what he thought would be the greatest squad to bring over. Um, with the d- defense, it was it really wasn't a surprise there. Um, we pretty much know who the starting lineup is going to be. Um, Jorge Sanchez, Hector Moreno, Cesar Montes. Like, those are key figures in Jesus Gallardo. So we know they're, no surprises, pretty much what we expected them to be. Midfielders and attack, we get into the more controversial figures. Obviously, we know Santi Jimenez and Diego Lainez were not included in the roster. And I think let's start off with Santi because I think the conversation of the number nine was a heavy one. Mm-hmm. Very heavy for the Mexican national team base, especially not knowing whether Raul was coming in or not. And again, for a little um, context, he was sidelined again in September with an adductor issue. I believe that's how you pronounce that. Um, And sidelined by Wolves. He ended up not playing for a while, not seeing the pitch. He was in and out of rehab sessions and um, training facilities, but it was noticeable that he was training by himself. Now, when he arrived at Girona, he started seeing time with teammates, with the Mexican national team base. Um, so that, I think, was encouraging. However, we didn't see him take the field until yesterday against Sweden. So that was a little backstory into what the conversation be- behind the number nine was. Gerardo Martino made it very, very clear since day one that he was not taking for forwards in that position he was just never going to do that so the conversation was never is Sandy going to like make that top three mm-hmm. but rather would he replace um, Raul Jimenez or Rogelio Funes Mori who has been injured and seen um weeks in the sideline he has however as we know um returned he's fine he played in Liga and Liga MX for Rayados so and scored so he's fine Obviously, the hierarchy remains Raul, Henry Martin from Club America, and Rogelio Funes Mori leaving Santi out. And while people are upset, I do think it's super important to point out that Santi Jimenez saw his debut with the Mexican national team in 2021, whereas Raul Jimenez, Henry Martin, and Rogelio Funes Mori were the base for Tata in several CONCACAF tournaments. Henry Martin won the bronze at the Olympics with the Mexican national team alongside several other players who are headed to Qatar. So if we want to talk about his connections with like Piojo Alvarado, with Alexis Vega, we can dive into that. Um, Though Santi Jimenez is doing phenomenal with Feyenoord in the Eredivisie and doing spectacular at the Europa League, I truly hope to see him in 2026 once he's established much more time with the Mexican national team. And I and I think he I think he will be. I, I yeah. this one for me, out of the two big ones that we will talk about, I guess there's a little bit more of a conversation for me due to the fact that he has had some form here and and has found a spot um, with his club side and and you know just overall in general just playing good football. Um, but again, it's it's opting for that experience that connectivity chemistry with the Mexican national team that Tata went with. And, and we'll talk about this in a little bit too, I think, but Tata in many senses, similar to the way 
possibly Greg Berhalter, maybe looking at his job. This is a very big World Cup for him and his job if he wants to keep the Mexican national team job, in my opinion. So if he wants to do that, he's got to perform. So he's got to bring in guys that he knows he can get something out of from top to bottom. So obviously Jimenez has only been with the national team since 2021. He's still very raw in that aspect. And so in Tata's case, it makes more sense to bring these guys who maybe have more, who have more experience with the Mexican national team, which I understand. But again, it goes back to the conversation. Do you bring him along so that he can get the experience? Does he have the spark that can maybe bring something off the bench? That's different from what you have on the roster already. Those are the questions that I think a lot of people are asking and uh, yeah. that I'm sure Santi is probably asking himself in terms of why he was not, you know, included in this squad. Yeah. And I think if we're talking opinions here, like I personally would have included Santi Jimenez over Rogelio Funes Mori. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah. But if we're trying to go into Martino's reasoning as to why he was left behind beyond just the fact that he's trusted the first three players um, much more and he's comfortable with them and has a level of dependency. He's always talked about Rogelio Funes Mori as this associative number nine and Mm -hmm. talking about the fact that once he has 11 players on the field, they always have to do something way more than what the simple position asks for them. Um, Connecting on the wings, going back, like absolutely anything. And at his peak, we know Rogelio Funes Mori can do that, but Mm -hmm. obviously there's been a decline, barring injuries, time on the field. So that was the biggest question. I personally, again, would have brought in Santi, but it, it was very clear that yeah. he was going to depend. Now, talking hierarchy, the concern obviously is still, is Raul fit enough to play those 60, I mean, those yeah. 90 minutes against Poland? There's questions that he isn't, so Henry will start. But that's a conversation for when we analyze um, Mexico versus Sweden. So moving on right on in. To well, yeah, real quick United. before we before we do move on, just to, you know, go again with your point there, you know, um, not having those quality, you know, again, he, he's raw, Santi. And I, yeah. I would agree that he probably, I would have probably included him in there. But again, it, you know, it's not, it's not, unrealistic that Tata left him out but it's a guy that you would like to see in there and if this world this is a point we'll see continuously over the course of this world cup and we've already talked about it a lot but if this world cup is in the summer and not in the middle of the season maybe these injuries aren't at the point they are right now who knows how Raul Jimenez would be who knows how Funes Mori would be who knows where Santi Jimenez fits in all of this so it's a weird weird time and that's, I think, why we're getting a lot of these weird selections and a lot of these teams. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's definitely a good point. Raul, we don't know where he would have been. Funes yeah. Mori either. Um, Santi, again, I mean, he made the move to Feyenoord on July 31st. And I, again, also important to point out, he doesn't have a starting role in Feyenoord's side he comes in as a great sub player um often if he does start he leaves in the 60th minute he scores goals but we've said he's very green and to be honest i think with that in particular he's not staying after the world cup historically the mexican national team head coach 
departs after yeah. every major tournament like this. So he probably won't stay, but he still, I mean, for his own resume is important to do well at the world cup. And yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what um, Mexico is demanding from him with mm-hmm. what he has. I think that's also important to say, but Diego Linus was the biggest, I think, surprise of all. To start off with, he's been an integral part of the team, not necessarily as that starting um, player, but he's ha- he's come in as a substitute, formed part of the whole CONCACAF qualifying process. He is currently with Sporting Braga. He made the loan move from Real Betis because they were just – not giving him time. Mm-hmm. There was a coaching change after he joined. So the, a, a whole real mess there. But once he does play with the Mexican national team, he does have that like spark the last 15 minutes of the game, but it was not enough. Now, personally speaking, I would have liked to see the Linus take over um, Luis Romo's position in the roster. I think there was 26 players. I think there was space for the Linus. But if we're talking Tata's positioning and Tata's reasoning, he said once it was between Piojo Alvarado and the Olinas. And going back to that usefulness and diversity on the field, Piojo Alvarado is a player that can that can stand in for several different roles. Um, he can play that false number nine. He can be on the wings. He connects well. Whereas the Olinas, while great, is very, very limited. He's mm. a player that that can change the rhythm of a game, but will do so in the last 10, 15 minutes. So when picking the 26 players headed over to Qatar, I think he prioritized that diversity and seeing his ability to place him everywhere. And personally, I think that that was convinced with Biojo when he played against Paraguay in that friendly a couple weeks ago, because he was that false number nine and he was there and he, he did pretty decently. And again, I can talk so much about his connection with Alexis Vega, both on and off the field. They train daily. Um, They're both at Chivas. He also went to um, the Olympics where he got that bronze medal. So, so many different connections there. But I think the number one reasoning as to why it was Piojo Alvaro over the Eolainis was that capability to play in different positions. That shouldn't have been the race. It definitely should have been Romo versus Linus, not same positions, but like when you're yeah. contemplating who's going to come. Um, but that's the race we were given, and that's the choice that was taken. Yeah, I'm going to take a little bit of a different view again, the outsider looking in uh, view of this whole situation. And for me, just looking at it very base, I felt like this was the easier decision than the Santi decision. And I felt this mm-hmm. way because I feel like. I feel like Linez, despite how he has played and the, the uh, amount of time he spent with the Mexican national team, how he has played with them, he is personally, for me, a player who I've seen play against the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, are you team. just not mad that um, Linus destroys just, the U.S. men's I'm, national team? I'm just team very happy he's not going to be anywhere near the U.S. men's national team at this World Cup. Salty then, yes. Because genuinely, he, he when he plays the U.S. men's national team, he seems to add a spark. He is yeah. that spark. He is a change of pace at his yeah. position, which gives me nightmares sometimes. But As he should. that point aside, that point aside, I just I think if we're looking at the player's form, and again, like you said, up against the player that he was put up against, 
and we cannot make those decisions. This is a decision that Tata and his team made when they were coming up with this roster. They said, we're going to put these two players against each other. Looking at Lionel's form and how he has really not found footing for himself in any of the European clubs that he's he's played for, I don't find it that shocking that he wasn't included as based on form. Again, I right. understand the way with him being there throughout the last, what, four years has been an integral part of the Mexican national team throughout those four years. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty of it, it, can this person make an impact for you? And based on his form right now for Braga, I don't think you can confidently say yes. Um, and I, yeah. and I compared to the player, at least that he was put up against, whereas, you know, you mentioned this, we mentioned this with us men's national team and Paul Ariola being left out, um, having that connection with Jesus Ferreira, having the connection up top there between Vega and Al- uh, Alvarado. Um, I think that helps. I, I, I don't, uh, again, we talked about why we think Paul Ariola should be included. I think that's a reason in favor yeah. of, of leaving Linez out for, for the other player. So that's my personal view of it. But again, I don't have, I, I, you know, I don't, I haven't watched every single Mexican national team game and I'm sure there's fans out there who feel differently who oh, have watched sure. every men's Mexican Mexican national teams game. But from a perspective of how he's playing right now, I don't think it's that tough of a decision to leave him out. Yeah, if you see it statistically, I mean, I think if I remember correctly, he's only seen 151 minutes on the field since joining Braga over the summer. Um, And the question remains, what are these coaches constant, like constantly seeing that the fan base is not? I think just it became a shock factor because everyone took his participation for granted. I, I, I don't think up until the recent weeks that his position within the Mexican national team going to Qatar was questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, especially also because Tata Martino spoke highly of the players during press conferences. He's named Linus, um, you know, in particular, but... I, I hear a lot of this, you know, Tata talking highly about players and leaving players out. You know, this was the same thing that you got mad at Greg Berhalter for, in the last podcast, so no, no, you know, it's no, like the same the thing. thing. With Greg Berhalter is there's so many, and I think <laughs> we could so dedicate a whole podcast episode to this. But it's the inconsistencies with the. Well, thing isn't with this Tata inconsistent Martino, though? Wouldn't this be no? Because the thing with Tata Martino is, if you look at like the larger thirty player list, these are all players we've seen. Like he, he consistently calls up that those thirty players. That's why gotcha. the conversation of who those four are going to be who are cut was challenging, but at the same time expected. I think if we look into his style and his reasoning, it was obvious to a certain extent that Linus was going to be cut, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people just saw his integration with the team and his constant role. And yeah, the, there was consistency throughout all CONCACAF yeah. matches that those I'll 30 give you players, that because Tim Ream hasn't played for the United States. Yeah, I'll give you that because yeah. Tim Ream hasn't played for the United States since last year. So I, I understand. Well, I'll give you that. But, right. but you know, over, but you know, I'm just. Pepe. No, th- mm, not the same. Not the same. We're going to have to stop this. We're going to start arguing on this podcast, aren't we? As we have in previous settings about 95 times since I joined 90 Men six months ago. <laughs> yes, which says a lot um 
That's yeah. good though. Our yeah, no, tomorrow. I think it's great. It's great. Widening our horizons, if anything. But so yeah, those were I think the two biggest omissions. Carlos Acevedo, I wouldn't say is a large omission. One nonetheless, but not something no one mm-hmm. saw coming, especially because he wasn't on the thirty player list. But and wasn't called up in camp in the previous camp either. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we we have a team. <laughs> we're go. gonna perform. It's official. Uh, it is definitely official. And they will play, whether they'll perform or not. That's gonna be we will play. See, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll head into that yeah. segment. But so looking back now, after the roster announcement on Monday, they prepared the whole team prepared for the last friendly. Before heading over to Qatar on Wednesday, they played Sweden in Girona. Now, Sweden did not qualify for the World Cup. So the conversation of Mexico losing to non-World Cup bound national team remains. As we know, in the past, we also lost to Colombia, which I've spoken largely was not entirely Mexico's fault. But... Heading into Wednesday's game, there was a lot of questions and expectations about who that that was going to play, whether it was going to be that starting 11 against Poland, were we going to see Raul, and if we didn't see Raul, who was going to be that starting number nine that really showed off what the hierarchy was. Now, as we know, Henry Martin started the first 45 minutes, then Raul came in in the second half. We saw... um, Pretty much our starting defense in the first 45 as well. We saw Jorge Sanchez, um, Jesus Gallardo, Cesar Montes, and Hector Moreno, which, again, as we know, will be that starting um, back line. If Kevin comes in, he'll come for Jorge Sanchez. Most likely, he will not. Um, the midfield was interesting. We didn't see Guti play. We didn't see Edson play, but we did see HH, which was an interesting factor because in the past weeks, he's been injured, not playing for the Houston Dynamo. So there was a lot of question marks there, whether he was going to be fit enough to feature. Um, Charlie Rodriguez was up there as well. And Luis Chavez also played, which was the surprise of many I don't think anyone expected Luis Chavez to perform as well as he did, barring the question, now will he start against Poland? Um, but our attacking three, we saw a lot of movement. Um, Alexis Vega was there. Raul Jimenez, Henry Martin, Chucky came in for a bit. Um, important. And I want to make this a giant point. I am personally very, very excited to see Alexis Vega play in the World Cup. He scored a goal against Sweden, which I know means nothing because it's a friendly, but I think he's going to be one of the breakout stars of Mexico. I'm very excited. There's a lot of European attention on the player at the moment, so I think should he give a good World Cup performance, it would be um, that necessary little jump to seal the deal over to Europe. Now, where in Europe, there's been a lot of conversation, La Liga, Eredivisie, potentially Premier League, I don't think so, but potentially Premier League. Um, Chivas will have a tough time letting go of him, especially as we know because Tigres is ready to put a lot of money um, on the player. But that conversation for a different time. But I'm very excited to to see him stand out. He did really, really well in the Olympic group. Um, Again, they won bronze. And now heading in, he's connected well with all attacking options. He does well with Raul. Obviously, he knows Henry Martin because they were in Olympics together. Obviously, he knows Biojo should he come in to play. He's just a very exciting 
option that we have in the wing. My concern with him is rhythm. If he's able to perform at that high level for the full 90 minutes, as we've seen in the past, it tends, the gas tends to runs out to run out um, at that 60 minute mark, but maybe the adrenaline, maybe the Qatar air. That's right. That's what you have subs for. That's what you have subs for. You know, I mean, I think he's going to be a very, uh, a fun player to watch. Um, obviously you have on the Mexican national team, a, a lot of players who are well-known, obviously the rally Menez, the Chucky Lozano, Ochoa players who, I mean, at least to those who are in CONCACAF are, are players that, and, and I think around the world too, with Chucky Lozano and, and, and Jimenez, those players are, are players that stand out. But again, we, we had this conversation a little bit, uh, on, Alfonso Davies and his breakout star and, and, and some of these breakout stars, every team has a breakout star and Alexis Vega seems like he is the prime candidate for that in in the Mexican national team. So it'll be very fun to watch him. Um, Again, I'm sure there's the extra added pressure of the possibility of going to Europe. And I'm sure that's something he has thought about himself, Um, but it'll be very Interesting to watch him and see how he performs because he could be a face of the Mexican national team for many, many years to come. Yeah, and I, I think it'll be very exciting. He did score the goal. Um, mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, as we know, however, Mexico lost 2-1 um, with that last-minute set-piece goal. And I think that's the biggest concern heading out mm-hmm. of this friendly was not whether um, Mexico was going to win or not, but that Poland played to somewhat similar level to Sweden in their um, sense of style and aspect when taking on the Mm -hmm. game. Now, Poland also played a friendly recently. Um, They won 1-0 against Chile. But if you look at the stats on that game, they had about 27% um, possession throughout the 90 minutes, which was concerning, but they did win again on a set piece goal. So that's something Mexico should be concerned about. And I know that that is, he said it in that post-match press conference conference um, that Mexico has to watch out for that because that's how Poland plays. They're going to really just. Yeah. I I mean, any opportunities, anytime you have uh, Robert Lewandowski on your team, all he needs is one touch, you know? So that's the problem with set pieces for Poland, right. Or playing against Poland. Uh, and having yeah. defend defend those set pieces is that Robert Lewandowski is known to get in very, very good positions and all he needs is a good ball in and he can even make an average ball work to get in the back of the net. We've seen some, some of the craziest goals we've seen over recent years have been yeah. off of his foot. So, or his head. So that is a, a big, big factor because it seems that Poland is going to be very comfortable sitting back, absorbing yeah. pressure and going on the counterattack, which again, anytime you have Robert Lewandowski on your team, it is there. You're just, you're when you're playing them, you are one touch away or one mistake away from finding yourself down one, nothing or down a goal or, or even on goals. If you're up one, nothing. So it's yeah, something to watch out for. Yeah. And that's, yeah. yeah, it's something to watch out for. Yeah, that was a concern. I mean, Mexico definitely had successful runs against Sweden and enjoyed the majority of possession and had more shots on goal and everything to that extent. But then at the end of the day, you suffered on a set piece goal and you lost 2-1. So as I always say with stats, I mean, you, you can boast them after the game, but it really just 
the final score reflects when it needs to. Not everything. It doesn't reflect any like everything, but it reflects what it needs to. So yes, but I, 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 what I will say in contrary to that, contrary to that, is I think a lot of times in Concacaf we can get mixed up in how we perform in Concacaf. Yeah. And then when we go abroad to play teams in Europe or in South America, we expect it to be kind of similar, right? Like in all reality, and I'm going to say this and I would appreciate the comments stay to yourself on this one. United States, Canada, and Mexico should qualify for every single world cup without any issues. Oh, a hundred percent should, well, should let's, let's not, let's not talk about 2018, but they should qualify every single time. Sweden has to go okay. up against like Germany and and England and all these other powerhouses that we I think we can admit are are very very talented teams. I think we can admit that the UEFA qualifying is probably tougher than Concacaf qualifying. So a team that that doesn't Here's the thing. Mm, yes, on when you look at individual talent and roster, but I do think people underestimate when you travel to oh, yeah, yeah, when yeah, yeah. you travel to Jamaica like they have good figures. They do. Um, and people take that for granted. And Chuki Lozano actually just wrote a piece for TPT. Um, I personally like to call Chuki Lozano, um, Lozano la piñata de CONCACAF, the piñata of CONCACAF, just because no matter where he is, no matter what stadium it might be, they are finding him and they are hitting him. And he's going to well, be on the ground for the majority the, of the time. No, look back at highlights. That, no, that's if that's you the have... Christian Pulisic treatment, though. That's no, named after no. Christian Pulisic. Okay, see, that's the thing. This is why this is why we argue. But I do think people underestimate heading over to CONCACAF. And if we want to talk about I know, Mexico I agree. And, I, I and, understand. Yeah. Sorry to cut Not you off, like, but I agree what you're saying because I think yeah. it's tough. I just think the quality when you when you're put on a pitch, the same pitch, right? You're put on the same yeah. pitch, you go to Spain, you play Sweden. I don't think Sweden missing out on the World Cup is like that means they're a bad team, you know? Oh no, no, no! I completely agree, and I said the same thing when we played against Colombia. I don't think because they aren't headed to the World Cup, we should bar the the loss as mm-hmm. embarrassing or humiliating. Yeah. To, by any means, um, just heading back to Concacaf for just a little bit. Um, I, I think the phenomenon with Mexico is if they do well in Concacaf, well it's CONCACAF. If they don't do well, it's, oh, Mexico sucks. So really with Mexico, you can never win. But that is completely different. Um, It's just in that sense scary because Sweden plays very similar to Poland. And I think that's our biggest concern. And when you look at our schedule, we know kind of like the U.S. with Wales, we know that Mexico kicks off against Poland and that game is extremely telling. Now, whether we can pull... What we did with Germany against Argentina and upset a favorite, um, that game will pretty much define where we conclude the group stage and whether we go beyond to the quarterfinals is a completely different question. But, you know. I don't know. History history tends to repeat itself. And that's particularly true with Mexico. Um, (laughs) Will we make the round of 16? Yeah, probably if we do well against Poland, I think as we have in the past eight World Cups, we'll make the round of 16. We'll probably lose against France or po- um, France or Denmark as we do, and then bow oh, out. Oh, come on. Give, your, give yourself some credit against Denmark. I think you guys can put up a good match against Denmark. 
All right. Well, that's sweet. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we're looking forward to 2026. That generational change. Yeah, same. Um, same. Yeah. But for some reason, um, the United States has reason. to go out there and be, you know, 11 Messies on the field for us to have any quality out there. But that's a well, that's story. super fun. Um, yeah, so next, it's great. Next really episode, fun. <laughs> um, we're going to be previewing all CONCACAF nations heading into the World Cup. Um, we're going to be meeting on Sunday. The World Cup does start on Sunday, but CONCACAF action does start on Monday with U.S. versus Wales, followed by Mexico, Poland. Um, and then we have lovely Canada at the um back end so yeah we're gonna be previewing all the three nations and we the promise we'll give matches. you some love canada we promise yeah we will give you love we, we because they did also announce yeah they also announced their roster but um no true omissions there they just break out star alfonso davies yeah probably um john herdman basically um called up what he had yeah so, I barring mean, I, i'm sure there were no yeah. surprises yeah i like i yeah no, no surprises surprise. um no maxime capru we will miss you yeah, but, that, that that was a that was a tough one. That's a tough yeah, one. but no surprises. No surprises other than that. No, no surprises. So yeah, Canada will give you love. We'll meet Sunday, and yeah, we'll have. I think to leave off, we will have Hector Herrera's message to the Mexican national team fan base as we head out, reminding that support Trump's toxicity and negativity. So. Take a listen and mental thought as we head into the game against Poland. Eh, que no, que nos apoyen al 100% porque ellos más que nada saben que son la parte, una de las partes más importantes a, para la selección y lo, lo han demostrado a través de los años, ¿no? Somos de los países que más llevamos afición y que, y que más alentamos y... Y para nosotros como jugadores y como país es un orgullo que, que se hable de nosotros así. Entonces, nada, decirles que contamos con su apoyo, que, que son, muy, son muy importantes para nosotros y que cuando uno está cansado y, y cuando parece que las cosas no van bien, el escucharles y, y alentarlos no, nos da esa fuerza que necesitamos para, para salir adelante. See you Sunday. Peace. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at the